I have to tell you, somebody came up to me the other day and they said, tell me about the sweat block stuff. And I'm like, and I, I could have spent 20 minutes with them. Uh, Stu was the same way. You asked me, what was it, Monday? You were yeah. like, I did a sweat block commercial and you were like, Wait, how does this work? I don't yeah. understand. It's amazing. Mm. Okay, so they have the regular stick that you can use, but they have sweat wipes, okay, sweat block wipes, and you just wipe, wipe it under your arm before you go to bed, wipe it under your arms, uh, and then the, in the morning, take a shower and everything. And you don't put deodorant on for a week. And that's not like, it's not like, oh man, I'm so tired of putting deodorant on. I'm tired of smelling in the summertime. I'm tired of sweating up a fat, sweaty storm <laughs> and then stinking when you get close to anybody. They're like, okay, you've been outside for a while. Sweat block stops it. I still sweat, but you know, mainly for my forehead and, and every place else. But... I don't smell. My underarms don't, you know, I'm not putting big rings under my shirt. It's amazing. Truly amazing. You've got to try this stuff. Uh, get the deodorant stick or the sweat block wipes. Sweatblock.com. Promo code Beck. Save 20%. you find it at Amazon. Sweatblock. Wow, do I have a treat for you. I have a guy coming up who grew up feeling alienated, distant from the uh, from the American dream. Um, in high school, he was attracted to left-wing ideology. He found himself caught up in the anarchist subculture. Uh, he would dress up in garish outfits, making t-shirts, flags, uh, zines, which I don't really know what it is to fund his activism, and he became very active. He learned about the anarchist history, got involved in, quote, direct action, destructive acts, and mayhem. Uh, angry, angry at cops, angry at Wall Street, angry at corporations, angry at America itself. He hated America. Oh, he also holds a bachelor's degree in general studies with a concentration in social justice essentials. Oh my God. Now, he's also an avid dog trainer and dancer. So, I like dogs. We have a lot in common. This guy, you are going to love hearing from. He had a moment where he went, wait a minute, I might be on the wrong side. And his life changed. He now loves America and is speaking at universities all over the country, warning students about what is happening. I want to hear this man's story and his pivot point. I've been waiting to have him on for a couple of weeks. Gabriel Nadalez joins us in 60 seconds. CarShield is uh, the company that 
you really need to have, or at least check out, if you have a, a car that is without a warranty. Once your warranty expires, you're on your own, and it is not like you can open up the hood and fix your car anymore. You, you can't, I mean, you can't even diagnose your car anymore. Now you have to have a, a, an expert do it, a computer look at it, and then probably it's gonna be a chip or something that is very, very expensive. You might not come across too many subscription plan-based companies that offer you a chance to lock in a rate today. The reason is obvious. Inflation is driving the cost of everything through the roof, and that includes your car repair. I want you to call CarShield and get the coverage that you need. Uh, when CarShield uh, has covered me with my trucks that break down because they're old, lots of miles, they have saved my bacon over and over again. One of the repairs was, I don't know, six or $7,000 a couple of years ago. And I thought, why didn't you call me before you repaired this? I would have never spent that. And they're like, it's Car Shield. I felt like I was getting away for, with something. I was like, oh, yeah, Car Shield. Okay, thank you. Bye. <clears throat> Carshield.com slash Beck. Save 10% on your plan right now. Carshield.com slash Beck or call 800 391 8888. Gabriel, I am so excited to have you on the program. He is the author of Behind the Black Mask, and he is the national director of the Western region of Our America. Hello, Gabriel. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. You bet. So um, I would imagine there was a time in your uh, life, uh, probably fairly recently, that the last person you would have thought uh, you would be talking to is me. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, especially because I've been a conservative activist for quite a little bit now, but I never expected to really speak out about my story until 2019 when my friend got beat up at Berkeley. Uh, he's the one who President Trump invited at CPAC back in 2019. And, you know, I was his, uh, we're best friends. And I started realizing just how horrible campus violence was getting or just leftist violence in, in general. And I decided that I really needed to, to speak out about my experience with anarchists and the Antifa movement. So I've been doing that for about three years now. Well, thank you for that. Um, so tell me, tell me about your life in the movement and what your pivot point was. Sure. So this is actually a ways back. A lot of people don't realize that Antifa is a lot older than, than uh, people think. Yeah. It started in the thirties. Uh, yeah. In the 30s. So yeah. th I, I first got involved in like punk music because uh, there's a huge connection in the 1980s and 90s with Antifa and the anarchist uh, punk music. Mm -hmm. So in 2011, I was into that and I just went to a protest. I just went because I wanted to be involved. And somebody in the black mask, you know, came up to me and he asked me if I wanted to join him and his friends. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And for about a year and a half, I was participating in direct action. I was part of the Occupy protest in, in Los Angeles, the animal mm. rights demonstrations, all of that for, from 2011 to 2012. And, you know, we just, it was all about creating havoc to really oppose the American system that we thought was the most fascist system out there. And uh, what was the pivot point with you? What was the point where you went, wow, I, I, I shouldn't be here? You know, it's actually kind of interesting because there's never been one point where I say like, wow, you guys are bad. It was a slow transition, but I also think that it was inevitable because I'm a very curious person. Mm -hmm. I'm always, I always want to hear what the other has, has to say. And, you know, at the time I was a leftist. So I started reading about Milton Friedman and Thomas Sowell. 
Well, mm. these are great authors, but at the time, I didn't like them. But I found them interesting enough that I wanted to grab their ideas, talked about them with my friends. And well, guess what? Just for asking questions about these ideas, that was the very first time I was called a capitalist pig. And it just made me realize that some of these people didn't even care about like the actual ideologies. They just wanted to promote this propaganda of like us versus them, like the fascist system. We're the liberators, but they're just full of themselves because they don't really or they're not really looking to build a better society. They're just really build, looking for control. And slowly and surely, I started reading, learning more about conservative movements, and then I slowly became conservative. Um, and, you know, to this day, I'm still very much the same person. That's how, why I have that bachelor's degree in social justice essentials, because I still want to learn what the other guy says. But you. let me tell you, the more I learn about leftist ideology, the more it makes me realize just how wrong they are and just how much I love America. This is a remarkable turn in, in, in an individual. First of all, have you ever had the chance to meet uh, Daniel Horowitz? Or uh, no, um, David Horowitz? David Horowitz, I have not. Have you read any of his I, books? Yeah, I've read a few different books. Okay. And I'll tell you this. I didn't meet him while I was in the movement, but somebody in, in Antifa who also left, he's in his 40s now, uh, about 20 years before I was involved, he was involved. And he told me that one of his first protests was to protest David Horowitz and free speech. Wow. Yeah. 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 We had great conversations about, like, the similarities and differences of uh, our eras in the movement. Yeah. Well, you are, uh, I mean, you remind me of him. He he did exactly the same thing. He was all for it until we withdrew from Vietnam and everything that the uh, right was saying would happen if you leave a power vacuum happened and he said he realized none of his friends or you know comrades actually cared about the people he was like but wait 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 we we were wrong on this part of it and he said they didn't care and that spun his head because he really did care yeah and i mean that tends to be the case with a lot of this these uh, far left movements, they pretend to care. They have all the right slogans. And if you ask them about whatever issue, they'll tell you how much they deeply care. But once the issue has been resolved or we're working towards a solution, all of a sudden that's not enough. They're doing it wrong. It's because it's still under the, 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 the capitalist system and the capitalism itself is horrible. They'll just make up a lot. They'll keep moving the goalposts time and time again, because, again, all they want is just control of your life and control of everyone. So so tell me how much. <clears throat> How much of the movement uh, is was like you where I mean, it sounds like you kind of joined because you wanted to belong to something uh, and you kind of got you kind of got wrapped up into it. And it it taught you um, the hatred and the problems, Um, but you really weren't. It doesn't sound to me like you were really rooted in it. Um, Do I have that accurate? Well, in part, because uh, Antifa didn't teach me to hate America. I, I got to say, like, growing up in, in the case of 12 system, public education, it really preconditioned me to hate America before I even got involved with the, the anarchist wow. groups. Because they were, let me just tell you, there was a biology teacher in my middle school who would love to yell at the top of his lungs about not biology, but about atheism. And one day, I remember he was yelling about how, how proud he was of his sons for being raised atheists. And of course, people who, don't, who believe in God are freaking sorry about this. They, he said stupid. And I was like, yeah. dude, 
that's our parents. And of course, I'm a seventh grader. Uh, I'm not going to speak it back to him. I was just kind of like, okay, I guess I should mm. just kind of keep my mouth shut. You know, those are the kind of things, the, the, the kind of teachers that really turned me into hating America because I was indoctrinated into believing that everything that my parents taught me, everything that society's telling me is good is not because you have these ultra leftist teachers who think that their job is to tell students what to think, not how to think. So uh, have you met, have you read much Martin Luther King? Um, I've read one of his books and a few different of his speeches. Okay. Um, I can't can't remember the the book. Um, So Martin Luther King talks a lot about reconciliation. He, he, he makes a very big point to say, we cannot look to win because that implies a loser and you can't leave half the country or a third of the country behind feeling like a loser. Um, they, they, ha- we have to reconcile. Now, I believe there are people that will never change and I can't reconcile with somebody who really believes burn the entire country down and America is horrible and the constitution and everything else. I, I, I don't know how to reconcile with that person and I don't think we can. However, there are people that are like you, I think, that if we could find a way to actually have a conversation that we would uh, we, we could reconcile, not with everybody, with some. Do, is, well, you know, it, the exciting part is what I'm doing right now. I'm working for an organization called Our America. People should check it out. It's at joinouramerica.org. And our job is specifically to do that. We're not talking about conservative or liberal issues. We're talking about American issues. Mm -hmm. We really want to bring people from the left and the right together. We don't care, again, if you're from the left or right, as long as you're pro-American. And our research shows that the vast majority of Americans believe in America. I mean, they think America is great. They think that America is uh, the greatest country on earth. We're talking about 70, 80, 90% of the issues people agree with them. The problem is that you have a tiny minority of radicals that have infiltrated legacy media and a lot of something mainstream uh, issues, and they pretend that they're the majority, but they're right. not. Every time you hear partisan or ultra-partisan or uh, ultra, uh, issues that divide people, look at the research. It shows that only about 10 to 15, maybe 25% of people support it. One of the best issues, I think, is um, defund the police. A few years ago, 2020, you would think that the entire Democratic Party and basically the majority of the country believed in defunding the police. But again, research shows 20, 20-some percent of people actually support the, uh, defunding the police. And something like 70-some percent of black Americans want mm-hmm. more police officers in their neighborhoods. Sure. So that's what we're talking about in our America. It's about so, bringing issues so to, uh, how, people together. How do we... How can we do this in our own lives? And if this is true, that we actually agree on things, what are we as people missing to be able to connect with our neighbors? Because they seem to still be voting when the when it's clear what's happening on the left is a hostile takeover of the Democratic Party, um, an infiltration. And they have just it is a leftist operation now it is not the democratic party it's a leftist operation that is going for things that i think average americans are against but yet they don't seem to disconnect from it what am i missing well well you know that's the challenge because some of these issues they paint this dichotomy of like you're either a good person when you're with us or you're a horrible person evil person if you're not and a lot of people say well i'm not an evil person so i must be with you guys so first of all we have to call out 
that rhetoric because, you know, sunlight is the best disinfectant. We really need to call that out, but not, not just call it out. We also have to actively build a community that is pro-American. And again, that's what our America is trying to do, really build communities at the ground level and to really call out a lot of that, uh, that uh, toxic rhetoric and just promote great American values at the ground level. It's not a project that's going to be done in like one, two, not yeah. even like five years. Right. It's going to take some work. But we're confident that we really are able to show the greatness that is America. Okay, so, um, Gabriel, I, I want to take a break and give you a second to, to think about an answer on this. Um, but what are the things that, that you first went, wow, America is a good place. Where, sh- where does that even begin? And where are conservatives missing the, the boat when we talk about America? Back in just a minute. His name is Gabriel Nadalas. Uh, he is the national director of the Western region of Our America. You can find all of this information at joinouramerica.org. Joinouramerica.org. 60 seconds and we're back with Gabriel's answer. Uh, Rough Greens wants to tell you uh, about your dog and your dog's health. And actually, I'm going to have Sharon tell you. She just wrote in. She said, I live in Kansas. Um, our pit bull, Molly. Molly doesn't seem like a pit bull name. Uh, Molly was in rough shape when we adopted her 10 months ago. Um, She responded well to high quality dog chow, but her coat still had a strong smell and bathing didn't eliminate any of it. She's now been on rough greens for several weeks now. She loves it. Her coat smells much better. She is also more energetic. And thanks. uh, Thanks so much. Rough greens. Uh, some of her other issues are resolving nicely. Thank you, Rough Greens. Rough Greens not a dog food. It's a supplement, and it was developed by a naturopathic uh, Dr. Dennis Black. You put it on the dog's food. It has everything in it that is really healthy for your dog in the right dosage. The folks at Rough Greens are so confident your dog's going to love it, but they want to make sure that you don't spend any money that you don't have to. If your dog doesn't love it, it would be a waste of money. So they're giving you a first trial bag for free. And all it is meant to do is just make sure that your dog likes it. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. It's free. All you have to do is just pay for the shipping. That's it. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. Or you can call them at 833-GLEN-33. 833-GLENN-33. 10 seconds. Station ID. Gaber wrote a book. I think it was released about 2020. It's called Behind the Black Mask. Um, he is part of an organization called Our America, uh, and he was uh, very anti-American growing up and part of radical action uh, with Antifa. Uh, he's uh, joining us now. So, Gabriel, what is the what was the thing that's the first thing that you said? You know, America is kind of a good place. You know. One of the things that I love about this country is that ideal of freedom of speech. The idea that we can have heated discussions, arguments even, and then we can go home and say, yeah, I mean, we can disagree and that's perfectly fine. You know, I found many people in, uh, that were not in radical politics that were like that, especially in college. Surprisingly, I met a lot of conservatives who I argued with. And, you know, at the end of the day, we were friends. We would just go out to this diner around the, the corner from right from the college, you know, and I love that idea because it was about that community that people really wanted to work together. We just have to walk past or get past that toxicity that that tiny minority of radicals like to promote. 
But that the, idea of community. But the idea of Antifa and the left is um, to silence speech because speech is dangerous, you know, uh, and uh, and you're a fascist if you say the wrong things. So how do you how do you approach that with somebody who is, you know, on the radical side of things? Well, you know, I've had a lot of experience uh, talking and arguing with some of these leftists, and a lot of times they don't even know what they're saying. I'll, I'll say that flat out. There is some people who are very well read, but then they extrapolate little snippets of information from some, uh, some very interesting authors, and they'll just use it as a, a tagline. So one of the things that I often do is I actually ask them questions. I get them beyond the point of like that, uh, like capitalism bad. Like, okay, what do you mean by that? What's capitalism? You know, and when you get into the niche of things, all of a sudden you realize that there's a lot of contradictions. I mean, that's where my degree in social justice comes in, into place. Yeah. Because um, one of the things that I've noticed is, for example, I tend not to use the word capitalism anymore because it was created by Marx. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but also when people talk about uh, capitalism, you know, being, say, for example, like the, uh, the responsible for slavery, I'm like, no, it wasn't. Capital, modern capitalism was founded in 1776. The Dutch company was actually part of mercantilism, which is the precursor that capitalism came to abolish. Uh-huh. If you look at the, 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 the people who founded capitalism, like, um, I'm uh, forgetting this author. The, uh, Adam uh, the Smith. Hand. Yeah, Adam Smith. Adam Smith, he actually wrote in his book that founded capitalism how uh, slavery was immoral and unprofitable. So, in fact, capitalism was a key factor to abolishing slavery. You know, like those, when you get into the nitty gritty of these issues and you ask them questions, they don't really have answers to many of these questions. I, uh, Gabriel, uh, you are one of my favorite people. I love people who are <laughs> intellectually, you. they like the challenge, uh, and it leads them to sometimes uncomfortable or um, surprising decisions in their life. I, I would love to have you uh, join me for a podcast because I'd love to spend some you know, more time with you and, sure. and talk about it. What, by the way, just what do you call capitalism now instead? Free oh, market? I just talk about the free market, free market, free market or equal opportunity, because, you know, that's what that's what, OK, quote unquote, capitalism is about, about the idea that everyone has the equal opportunity to make the name for themselves. Gabriel Nandales, thank you so much, sir. Thank you very much for joining us and uh, and and your hard work. Join our dot org. Join our dot org. Hope to have you back, Gabriel. Thank you very much. All right, next, the CDC and corruption? What? The Glenn Beck Program. Just about every day on this program, I share experiences of real people with you, people who have had their lives changed by taking Relief Factor, and I'm one of them. And I can say with confidence that I wouldn't be here where I am today if it wasn't for Relief Factor. Uh, I just flew uh, yesterday and I cut my travel almost to nothing uh, for about five or six years because it caused me so much pain to fly in. I don't know what it was, but it was the altitude. uh, And I would have to be... uh, had my hands and my arms wrapped. Um, it, 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 it was really bad. Yesterday, I flew with no pain. I didn't have that anymore. I can't explain it. I don't care. But it's relief factor. Three-week quick start developed for you, 1995. Please try it. I know you've probably tried everything else. Please try this and see if it works. You'll know within three weeks if it's going to have any effect on you at all. 
relieffactor.com. Get their three-week quick start trial. Just try it. 1995 relieffactor.com or 800 for relief it's more important than ever to have someone to push back against the mainstream media blaze tv.com slash glenn the promo code is glenn welcome to the glenn beck program now I don't want to give you another reason to be freaked out by the size and power of our federal government. Uh, You know, uh, I think the IRS uh, adding, you know, 87,000 new agents and the FBI's latest episode at Mar-a-Lago, you know, it's been enough, been enough. Uh, But the New York Times uh, has more great news about what they call, uh, quote, a tidal wave of pandemic fraud. Now, I don't also want to be the guy who says, I told you so. Half of America told you this was a bad idea. But I told you so. And so did half of America. This was a bad idea. The pandemic checks, when they started rolling off the press, um, there was a lot of people who said, this is the greatest thing ever. And, uh, you know, it wasn't rocket science to say, You know, I bet when you have a government that operates as if it has an unlimited checkbook and you just open the floodgates and just gush money in a panic with zero oversight, I think you're going to get some fraud. It's even more telling when the New York Times admits that maybe this pandemic relief was a bad idea. Because remember, the New York Times thinks almost every single Bat crap, crazy Democratic spending ideas, just genius. So to hear them say, quote, trillions of dollars flowed into federal relief programs with few strings and minimal oversight, resulting in one of the largest frauds in U.S. history, end quote. That's pretty remarkable that to put it in perspective, keep in mind that the current U.S. national debt is over twenty eight trillion dollars. In 2020, our leadership approved $3.1 trillion in relief money. And this was to help the unemployed and boost the economy. Last year, they approved another $1.9 trillion. And by the way, relief, the relief insanity, totally bipartisan. I mean, sometimes I guess conservatives, you know, forget that they're conservatives at all, you know. It's a bedtime story they tell themselves. It's an interesting thing to examine closely, though, because we have complained, rightly so, over the $1.9 trillion COVID bill that came mm-hmm. in with, with Biden mm-hmm. and the $740 billion Inflation Reduction Act that just passed. And that yeah. is $2.6 trillion of spending. It's, it's significant, Glenn. Um, but we do tend to overlook that... The Republicans signed on for a $1 trillion plus stimulus package. Mm-hmm. They signed on to a $280 billion chips package, mm-hmm. which was for supposedly going to corporate help welfare. Uh, they've had several other spending bills, and that doesn't even include the multiple trillions of dollars that they all agreed on when Trump was still president. Yes. So, I mean, like, you know, yes, inflation no, is more of the, you fa- know, uh, of the fault of the left, but like, you know, it's a especially the moderate Republicans that have crossed the line over and over and over and over again here. 
there's a lot of blame to be placed there. As it well. is time for the Republican Party to either go away or be reborn. A new baptism. Forgive us our sins and actually stand up again because neither side is serious about any of this stuff when it comes to money. Anyway, there's been so much fraud related to the five trillion dollars that there are now 500 people from the FBI, Secret Service, IRS, Postal Inspection Service and offices of various inspector generals working full time on pandemic fraud cases. There's nearly 500 government employees doing that now. Mm. Across all these agencies, the IRS, you know, just hired 87,000 and they've got 500. Well, not just them. All of these agencies have a total of 500 people. 1,500 people have been charged so far. 450 people have been convicted. Investigators say they've barely scratched the surface. The Labor Department's IG office alone has 39,000 investigations open. The Small Business Administration, which, by the way, has its own police force. Did you know that? I didn't know this. The Small, small, small Business Administration. Has a yeah. police force? Has a police force. I didn't know that. But mm. anyway, they're wake, making their way through 2 million potentially fraudulent loan applications. Ha! Huh. The SBA usually gets 800 calls per year on their fraud hotline. This time, they've received 148,000 calls from the first year of the pandemic. Now, this is how dumb, apparently, we are. Do you remember that $600 unemployment benefit that the federal government offered on top of whatever amount the jobless person received from the state? Well, applicants were not even required to provide proof that they lost their job due to COVID. They had just to swear that it was true. Oh, I promise, I promise, I promise. Our government entrusted $5 trillion to the honor system at a time in American history where there is no honor. Here's some of the uh, examples of some of the fraud that they missed. And now this again, according to the New York Times. 29 states paid unemployment benefits to the same person. 29 states to the same person. Mm. A Postal Service employee got an $82,900 loan for a business called the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, An individual (laughs) got 10 loans for 10 non-existent bathroom renovation businesses using the email address of a burrito shop. Multiple people received relief money for their farms. They were just defining a farm to be their front yard. One scammer used pandemic relief funds to buy $57,000 Pokemon trading cards. 342 people managed to get small business loans by listing their name as not available. N.A. Now, no one has any idea how much... How much money was really lost to fraud here? One official estimated that the improper unemployment payments alone could be about $200 billion just from one part of it. That's almost a quarter of a trillion dollars from just unemployment fraud. Hmm. But don't worry. Government's got everything under control. Um, You know, we've got things that we don't believe in anymore, but we are going to reform them. Yesterday, yesterday, Rochelle Walensky, 
raked her agency across the coals and she outlined a plan to overhaul the CDC. She said, we are real trouble. So she's created a new executive team to set priorities and decide how to spend the CDC's annual budget of $12 billion. $12 billion every year. Yet over a million Americans uh, died from uh, COVID. So it doesn't quite add up. Uh, One external review of the CDC recommends improvements, including releasing scientific data more quickly to improve transparency. Huh. Translating science into practical and easy to understand policy. No. Improving communication with the public. No, I think we heard them loudly. Training the CDC workforce to respond better to public health emergencies. All of that begs the question, what were they doing with a $12 billion before? I mean, isn't this what the CDC is supposed to do? So the CDC admitting that it has a problem is a first crucial step, but the other steps matter as well. Okay, Biden administration's DEI virus has struck again, this time in the CDC. Part of Rochelle Walensky's uh, proposed overhaul includes creating a new equity office. Now, I was thinking to myself as we were watching people die in the nursing home, uh, I thought, you know what? But is there equity here? Uh, It's going to keep an eye on all CDC functions from hiring policy to improve the agency's diversity. Thank God. I mean, when somebody answers the phone, I need to know that there's a chance that I'm going to talk to somebody who's a transsexual. You know what I mean? I have to know that. At least rest assured. I don't want to ask them questions. I just want to know that. Do we have the right number of homosexuals, heterosexuals, uh, people who think they're an animal of some sort? And then, of course, all of the colors of the rainbow, because that's following science. You know, I don't think disease actually cares what color you are or who you sleep with. Dr. Walensky didn't address the uh, footage. To be fair, some diseases do care who you sleep with. Monkeypox. That does seem to be. Monkeypox. Dr. Walensky uh, didn't address the footage of President Biden signing the bill on Tuesday, which is really too bad because it perfectly illustrates what the CDC and all the federal government is about under Joe Biden. Performative theater. Mm. Did you see it yesterday? Joe Biden wearing a mask. To the podium, takes it off to cough (coughs) in his hand, then proceeds to sign a bill, hand the pin to people, Mm -hmm. and then shake hands with everybody with the hand he coughed into. And also look like he's completely senile while he's handing the pen over. I mean, I uh, was the, the eyes are empty. There's nothing behind them. Nothing. That's a totally different story, but it's important to point out if you watch that video, you've noticed it. Well, so anyway, I started this segment by saying I don't want to give you any more reasons to worry about the government. Except uh, those three (laughs) reasons. Uh, All right. You know, it used to be the case that you'd look at your paycheck and, uh, you know, all you'd have to be unhappy about was the amount taken out in taxes. Ah, the good old days. Now, when you look at it, you also have to consider, whoa, uh, How about the hidden tax of inflation? 
because this is staying the same amount and I'm not going to be able to buy all the things I need with what's going to remain after taxes and after your mortgage and your usual expenses and the credit card debt hanging over your head. For over two decades, American financing has been listening and helping people just like you that sometimes they're not in any kind of problem. Most times, you know, people are like excited to buy a new house. They can help you there, but they can also help you if you're in trouble and you're like, I'm not going to be able to make it. I've got to find a way to lower the payments on some of the stuff I own, especially credit card debt or your mortgage. This is where they come in. They can help you pay off those high interest debts. American financing. You could be saving hundreds of dollars a month. That will help take the, the load off of your mind. Please just call them. Just address it with them for 10 minutes. If they can help you, they'll tell you. If they can't, you'll know. And then you can worry. 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is... The Glenn Back Program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. We have Stephen Moore joining us here in uh, just a few minutes. Uh, Stephen Moore, um, finance guy, used to be one of the head writers for the Wall Street Journal. Um, he is a, a, an economist that really knows his stuff. Doesn't usually panic. You know, he's kind of what you want in a financial guy, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody who's not like, Oh oh my, (laughs) he's really quite calm. Um, but he has been looking into the, uh, the, uh, the bill on, um, inflation reduction Mm. and he's found some things that were tucked in there. It just exactly what we said. I said, you cannot pass. Uh, the Build Back Better bill, because uh, that has everything in it that they want. And if they don't pass that, they will just take it apart and they will pass it piece by piece. And once they have all of the parts, they assemble the engine and turn it on. Well, I think they have all of the parts. Uh, and a lot of those parts were in the bill. Uh, I told you, I think yesterday or the day before, page six, it's like 685 or something. It talks, it gives power to the EPA to regulate and create ESG uh, penalties for farmers who are using fertilizer, traditional fertilizer. Um, You're going to start seeing a lot of things happen. And by the way, We're experiencing such drought. There are people that are going to banks right now who are ranchers and they're like, you know, we're short on water. We need to get some water delivered to us for the animals. And I'm telling you, the time is coming within the year, the next year. Um, You are going to see a time where ranchers and farmers are going to be turned away because they're not doing anything. they're, they're using traditional farming techniques and they the banks will say we can't give that to you because you're using fertilizer or you're using way too much water and cattle. Uh, the um, the emissions from cattle is just too bad for the planet. So we can't we can no longer give you a loan. 
for what you do. And you're going to see farmers go out of business. You're also going to see farmers driving their tractors on the highway, a little like the truckers did uh, in Canada. I think you are maybe 12 months away from having massive protests from our farmers. And uh, we should teach our kids now where food comes from. It doesn't come from the magic yum yum bag in the middle of the store. No. Usually it's Uber Eats, right? I mean, that's where the. No, it's really not. It's it's grown at Uber Eats. We might do a show on where some of that yum yum comes from uh, because it's not free. Although, although the World Economic Forum says in in uh, by 2030, because of digitization, food's going to be free. Isn't that great? We're going to digitize food? No, no, no. Because <laughs> digitization is going to make everything so great and so easy oh. uh, that food will be free. Hmm. <laughs> An interesting prediction. <laughs> hey, and I'm the one called crazy on right. predictions. Yeah, right. All right. Stephen Moore uh, gives us the state of the economy and what exactly was hidden in that bill that now we find out about. That's coming up in just a minute. Also, we really need your support at Blaze TV. Will you consider becoming a subscriber and join our family? We need to stay in contact with you and we need your support. Join us now. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn promo code Glenn Glenn to save.